I'm gonna try to do all my leg stretches now. I swear I have like uh, like restless leg. I, I have, there's something wrong with me because I can't sit. Maybe I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's like because I stand all and walk and move all day at work, and my legs are sore. Or if it's I something. think you'd be tired if you were doing that. <sighs> yeah, you would think that. But my like my hip muscles and my le- I don't know. I'm always just like. Moving around and trying to crack things. It's like it's an probably, old man. When was the I, last time you stretched? Do you, never. <laughs> do you stretch I have, never? I, I, yeah, every day, every time I'm like, oh, wow, I'm my back is this. Or mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, you should do some stretching. I'm like, oh, yeah, stretching. That's how you're supposed to live. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's funny that, like... Stretching makes such a huge difference, and you just never think to do it. I know oh, I never fully. think to do it. I'm going to preemptively prepare an aha, because I'm going to get through this one pretty quick. Man, this is a three Celsius kind of night. Oh, I ha- yeah, I have these nights often. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So join us as we talk about Christianity, life, culture, and a whole lot of rabbit trails. This is Despised for You. Hello and welcome to another episode of Despised for Youth. I am running out of DFY words and honestly it's not, it's not really worth it anymore. So until Grant comes back, we're boycotting that practice. So Grant, get back from Alaska. But unlike Grant, Jonathan is here today. And some of you may remember Jonathan uh, from talking about media. We talked about media. We talked about media. There's another one. And we talked about something else. They were both pretty much the same topic. I can't remember. Social media, I think, yeah, and, social media and maybe just media. I remember you had the amusing ourselves to death. You brought that with oh, you. Oh, I read an excerpt, yeah. And you were wearing the sleep shirt. Yeah. I think you were. I think I was. And now yeah. you have a second one, which I'm kind of disappointed you didn't wear, but it's okay. This is, uh, yeah, I re- well, this is what I wore to work today. Oh, okay. And then I just ran home and then we came over here. Wait, you so. wore that putting on tires and stuff? Well, I wear a uniform at work, oh, but I change okay. at work and then, yeah. Hey, that's what I do. I go to work and then I, I call it work, which is funny because it's not really work. and No one's paying you. No, and yeah. when I screw up, it's someone else's fault for not watching me close enough. Nice. But it's work. That's how you want to, that's, that's what you want. Yeah. I try to remind myself I'm paying to be there, and so if it feels futile, it's like a learning experience, you know. Smart. But I like changing into uniforms. That's a huge perk, honestly. Um, but I didn't come here to talk about uniforms. Mm. I came here to talk about something much more lighthearted. So, Jonathan, I don't know if you've heard, but there is an epidemic in the world. And uh, not... Oh, man, my mind was like, make a joke about Afghanistan. And the rest of me was like, that's... Do not do that at yeah. all. Yeah. Because um, there's nothing funny about it right no, now. No, I don't know if that's so, the move right now. I'm, yeah, a little tired. The... The comedy gears are trying, and sometimes you got to remind yourself, like, hey, time to dial it back a little bit. Um, <laughs> turn down the foreign conflict yeah, knob. Yeah. Uh, but what we're really here to talk about is uh, abortion, and uh, really everything encompassing the, the subject of abortion, like this, the sanctity of human life, you know, what, what's going on inside a womb. Um, we're going to talk 
we're gonna talk Bible. We're gonna talk some some science. We're gonna talk some uh, talking to other people and how you uh, share these ideas and how you discuss it and maybe politics. I don't I don't know the politics side too much, so I was kind of hoping you. Um, we're a little more well versed in some of the legal aspects of it, or yeah. just what's going on around yeah. the world. So, uh, Jonathan, why don't you just share a little bit about your background with this issue? Yeah. So I, um, from from an early age, probably five or six. Um, I thought I, you were gonna say I like was once a fetus or. Good one. I legit thought you were gonna do no, that. No, I didn't. I wasn't going there. Okay. That's a little too. Uh, it's a little too over the plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little on the nose. Um, no, I I grew up in a you know, I guess you could say quotation marks pro life family. Uh, but I had some unique experiences growing up that most people don't have. Around from when I was probably five or six, uh, my mom started taking my siblings and me to. Um, to the local abortion clinic on Saturday mornings um, to talk to the people going in, offer help, um, plead for you know the, the lives of their children. You did that um, at five and six. I yeah. So wow. I mean, she. I mean, I wasn't doing anything really. I was right. just there. Um, but yeah. So from a very young age, I I was in that environment, um, and then. Growing up, by the time I was in my teens, I was very interested in um, doing doing something that involved um, doing something about abortion. I guess we could put it that way. Um, so it's always been a very important topic to me. Uh, I spent many years. I mean, I've spent so at this point, it's been over you know twenty years that I've been involved in some way or thinking about in some way or. Or dealing with in some way the abortion and the things that <clears throat> surround it. So I worked for years working for pro-life nonprofit groups and other various groups that um, do various legal and non—I shouldn't say illegal—legal mm-hmm. legal efforts, and then also just general like civic efforts. Generals, yeah, that's that, a good way. Would that of be the right? It. Term that's a good, yeah, uh, that's so. a good way of putting it. So yeah, I've I've been involved for a long time. I've put a I don't want to say I don't want to say I've put a great deal of thought into it in the sense that like you know, I'm I'm some super genius, but when mm-hmm. you just spend a lot of time involved, part of the thing, one of the things I I did a lot especially um, more in my early to mid 20s was I would go to university campuses and do like sign displays and talk to students. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think honestly like if you if you are a Christian and you sort of want to know what people think about abortion or you want to have some kind of an impact or um, you're just interested in sort of gaining some experience as far as, you know, what the general person thinks about abortion. That's like an amazing experience because you meet all sorts of people, most of them, of course, students. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very eye-opening and right away it's like, I don't know how to put it exactly. You, like, you go from being kind of unsure of how to talk and what to say and how to reason with people to immediately you're just thrown into it. And you, it, it's honestly, I think one of the, one of the most reassuring things when you're, if you're not sure what you believe, to talk to people about it because you realize really quickly, mm-hmm. like, what people who are pro-abortion or pro-choice, whatever term you want to use, what they believe 
is really like awful <laughs> like it's either not thought through very well although that's not like the worst sin in the world but like it's very uh very easily um dis- disproven shot down mm-hmm. and it just how how backwards it is how it's like this complete inversion of how the world should be how god <clears throat> created the world to be an inversion of the gospel all this stuff so right that's kind of my background uh, the last few years i have not been nearly as involved as i was previously but it's still something very mm-hmm. important to me and um yeah you never really lose those experiences so i can see right. that having a lasting impact yeah uh, this is something that i wanted to talk about recently because this past two months uh seven and a half weeks more precisely i've been on my obstetrics gynecology rotation for my third year medical school and that's uh for anyone who might not know those terms that's you know birthing and then like women's health and a big part of that is labor and delivery and then also uh different birth control things and in my case i didn't really have to touch the abortion side of things because we were at a catholic hospital so they didn't do any of those procedures i think there were even certain birth control things that they didn't do they did pretty much everything but there was like one or two that they didn't do i don't know if that was insurance reasons or or whatever else and that's something i actually want to talk about kind of uh near the end but um yeah i've been thinking about this a lot i i have always had pretty pro-life uh, stances on this, and uh, I do I did always think it was a, an important issue. But I think going in and seeing things firsthand, and especially uh, the first Friday of the rotation when I went and I saw the ultrasound of uh, they were they were typically they were anatomy scans, which is typically around 20, 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. And after that, it, it blew my mind that someone could could see that and still have an abortion and think mm-hmm. that they're not ending a life. And so I wanted to talk about that. And that's kind of what made me want to ask you, because I knew you were well-versed in this and have experience with it. But um, you kind of brought up where I wanted to go next. Uh, I think a good place to start is talking about what the Bible says about life and and more specifically what it has to say about life that hasn't been born yet and um the things that first come to my mind are you know david in the psalms he talks about how god uh knitted him together in his mother's womb before he was created he knew him which doesn't specifically make the point of life in the womb being significant but it does it does use that to make his overarching point using that as like a given taking that as fact that he was himself in the womb mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. created by god and uh, his life was precious right and the other thing that comes to my mind is i don't know exactly where but somewhere in the old testament law where it talks about if uh, a pregnant woman gets like struck and the baby dies then you know they treat it like it was murder right. and in some right. cases that sort of law still applies like in america today right um can you think of any other areas yeah. of the bible i think i honestly i think the best illustration um, that I think just goes to show more of the ancient mindset, which wasn't so much like, I don't think anyone was arguing whether or not a pregnant woman was with child or not. Mm-hmm. She was carrying a child, you know, but I think the best illustration is from the gospels when, um, Jesus' mother, Mary went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist at the time. 
when Mary entered or came into their presence, John the Baptist, uh, because of Jesus's presence, John the Baptist leapt in the womb. So John the Baptist was, you know, however many months older than Christ. Mm -hmm. But at, at that point, Mary was very newly pregnant. It was like, mm -hmm. I don't know how I, you know, you could maybe try to calculate it, but at the, I mean, Jesus would have been very newly conceived, you know, by, mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit. Um, and would have been very in a very early stage of development. So yeah. not only does it show John the Baptist as, you know, an older third trimester, whatever it was, baby that he left in his mother's womb, mm -hmm. but it was because of the presence of Jesus in his mother's womb. So it's like, I don't think at the time anyone felt the need to, to write, by the way, life begins at yeah. conception or what, you know, it was like understood. Um, it really I, is a newer idea where people are mm -hmm. now starting to say that, well, it's not really a life. Uh, I, like you said, I don't think anywhere in history do we see that being uh, a general belief. And right. It is hard to go back and say, well, no society has ever thought that. But um, I think that sort of premise uh, is definitely a newer one, that it's not, that it's not a, a yeah. life. And, and a lot of that comes down to different different things but you know we'll talk about that a little later do you have any other uh p parts of the bible that you'd point to if you were talking with someone about about that yeah so i mean you mentioned a couple a couple um instances from the old testament um i mean i think one of the main things i bring up other than these the examples we've already given is just just that um the teaching that Christians have always held mm -hmm. of human beings being made in God's image. So that's the reason, you know, obviously sinning against others, that's part of the reason it's so egregious. <clears throat> um, it's part of the reason, whatever you think about, you know, like the death penalty, that's the reason God gave for in, in stating the, the death penalty in Genesis is be, because human life is so important because it's made in God's image. Mm -hmm. So just working off that premise and then understanding, like, just with the basic understanding that, of course, a uh, human being before he's born is still a human being, yeah. still made in God's image. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely point to that. You could, I mean, but yeah, there's, there are definitely other instances where either um, there's some direct reference to if a pregnant woman is harmed or um, something like that, or also just, you know, sort of anecdotal things from scripture. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think something that a lot of people gloss over is just historically it's something Christians have, I have always believed. Um, and I, I don't think it was even so much of an argument. Mm -hmm. It's something that, you know, ancient pagan cultures practiced abortion and that sort of right. thing at times. But I don't think there was ever a question of if, if there was, if there was a valid human life involved, mm -hmm. you know? So like one of the earliest Christian, um, documents is um, the Didache. I've heard it pronounced different ways. I don't know if you've... I'm not familiar with that. It's D-I-D-A-C-H-E. It's called The Teaching of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. It's from the... Generally, um, I believe, it's generally dated to the first century. And it's sort of more or less understood to be a teaching from members of the Twelve as like a general mm -hmm. sort of... Here's what we... It's almost like a catechism right. for believers that they wrote. Um, really good. It's not super long. Interesting. It's very, it's very interesting. But yeah, I mean, they it explicitly write. I think they even. I could probably look it up, but they explicitly write. You know, 
um, basically like sexual practices should be like this, you know, you should, there should be no fornication. There should be no like homosexual behavior. Um, there should be, mm-hmm. you know, you should abortion, whether I think, I think they specifically reference like chemical abortion because that was pretty common where people would take, you know, a tincture or yeah. something that someone had made for them, that that's destroying a human life. That's killing a, <clears throat> a human being and that's murder. Yeah. So it's like, that's from the very earliest, very earliest pieces of history of Christianity. And that's something that people who are Christians or claim to be Christians who say that they're pro-choice will often point to is like, well, there's mm-hmm. nothing in the New Testament. Yeah. There's nothing in the New Testament that says that abortion is wrong. Which, of course, is like, well, there's nothing in the New Testament that specifically says lots of things are wrong. Yeah. But Christians, for the entire Christi- history of Christianity until 1920, have, or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can pin an exact date on it, but it's an extremely modern retelling of what God would want us to believe. To yeah. say that just be to say well all you need is the New Testament, and all and the New Testament doesn't say anything about whether or not abortion's okay or specifically whether or not this or that practice is okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think where the arguments come down to nowadays is America generally has accepted the premise, and I, I think most people would say that it comes from its founding, uh, the values of the founding fathers. But they've generally accepted the premise that life has value and that individuals have certain inalienable rights one of them being life so that once a person's alive you can't just you can't just end them for any reason and we can look back at different civilizations throughout history like i remember learning i think it was in like sixth grade they talk about the spartans if uh like a baby was too like weak mm-hmm. they didn't think it was gonna be like a strong child right. they just like leave it out on the cliffside right. or whatever Exposure, and yeah. Uh, yeah they didn't they didn't value life the way we do like nowadays mm-hmm. nobody in america would say that that's okay right. but now the argument has come down to whether or not life in the womb is uh like i don't know viable whether it's a human life right these sorts of things right and, um so i think let's let's get into what abortion is because uh, this is something that's come up recently uh, when I've talked to some patients or what I've heard other people uh, say they've, you know, talked about with their patients and abortion is a bit more of a broad term than I first thought. When anyone says abortion, any person outside of the medical field, typically what they think of is an elective abortion. I think that's what the vast majority of people think of when they hear that word. But abortion, when you are, are talking uh, for the pregnancy history of a mother, you give the G's and P's, that's what they call it. So G is gravida, that's how many pregnancies they've had. P is para, which is how those births turned out. So mm-hmm. like you'd say, today we're seeing a G4, and then it's P and there's four numbers. The first number is how many term pregnancies they've had uh, given birth that term. The second is how many preterm pregnancies. The third is how many abortions. And the fourth is how many living children they have. But when they say abortions, they mean elective abortion. They mean miscarriage. They mean like any sort of intrauterine fetal demise, anything where the baby didn't make it um, before exiting, you know, the birthing canal. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different types of abortions. There's what they call uh an inevitable abortion or a threatened abortion which is where the 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 fetus is in danger and they think maybe it'll end in an abortion um there's spontaneous abortion which is a miscarriage Mm -hmm. they call that spontaneous abortion um 
they they will use the term medical abortion, which would be like an elective abortion for various reasons, whether it's an ectopic pregnancy or whether they just think it's like a dangerous pregnancy. And then there's incomplete abortion where the baby's died, but it hasn't been passed yet. And uh, sometimes they'll even have retained abortion or missed abortion where uh, some of the the products of conception, they would call it, are retained and it can become septic. So there are there's a lot of different terminology to keep in mind. And I think that's important because sometimes women will be told different things about abortion. And if they're not entirely familiar, it can just be confusing. And I think that can be confusing for the rest of us as well. So it's important to point out that like a spontaneous abortion is not an abortion as we're talking about it. Like having a miscarriage does not mean you killed your child. Um, there are, I mean, granted, you know, if you're punching your stomach or something like you could, you could cause like a miscarriage, but that's, right. you know, that's aside from the point, but about 50% of pregnancies end in miscarriage actually. So it's pretty common. And then 50% of those, and the stats relevant, that's why I'm bringing it up. But 50% of those are typically because of chromosomal abnormalities. So there's a certain extent of pregnancies that are unlikely to, well, I they would even say like, it's impossible for them to come to term and, and you know, lead to a living child. So I think that's important to keep in mind because that's where the, the waters can get a little bit muddied. So obviously we would say that as Christians, like elective abortion, that's, you know, that's a sin. You're, you're choosing to end the life. But uh, some of what it comes down to for people who are, aren't so sure are, uh, I made a list of kind of some common arguments people would pose against saying that abortion's wrong, abortion's uh, murder, and you shouldn't be able to do that because the child has rights. I think the first one is the most common one, and it's that a woman has autonomy over her body and she should be able to choose whether or not she wants have the pregnancy mm -hmm. and because it's her body and like the baby doesn't get to live in there if she doesn't want it to so right. uh, do you hear that did you hear that a lot when you would talk with students on campuses yeah that's ultra common um bodily autonomy is a, a pretty pretty common thing to bring up mm -hmm. what would you typically say to someone who would use that as one of their uh, reasons why yeah so there's a few sort of routes you can take with that. Um, I'd say the most obvious is if you look at it from my perspective, so I'm not saying that you have to, mm -hmm. this is the thing you always have to say because you're like, well, if you look at it from my perspective and they're just like refuse. Yeah. No, like assuming that I'm sincere in what I believe. Yeah. I believe that the pre-born human being, the fetus, which side note, just means like offspring <laughs> it's it's funny because the term the is, word fetus yeah means in offspring. latin it's like it has to do with bringing forth offspring interesting so it's so people especially like people that are looking to dehumanize yeah these human beings use that term because it sounds it's you know it sounds maybe a little more clinical mm -hmm. it sounds like something you could actually there's nothing wrong with the word fetus but it's, it's used as like a crutch to sort of get around the fact that we're talking about a developing human being. It's a Latin word. It means human. It means offspring. It just means like has to do with either like hatching young or, or just giving, giving birth to offspring. But anyway, so from obviously from the perspective that says abortion is murder, 
we believe that the there are two human beings involved mm -hmm. who, if you're going to apply the idea of bodily autonomy, each of them has bodily autonomy. Yeah. So if you're going to say, well, a woman should have bodily autonomy, well, from the perspective that says abortion is wrong, the other human being involved also has bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. So to say that, you know, well, um, at, you know, 10 weeks, you can schedule an appointment at Planned Parenthood and they'll do, uh, you know, a D&E and get rid of the quotation marks products of conception because a woman has the right to control her own body. It's like, right. well, th there is another body involved. Yeah. And we know this scientifically because when, uh, when the fetus is conceived, it has unique genetic code. And it's very clear that that is another organism. It has right. its own heart. It has its own, uh, its own blood type. And uh, we see so much of the evidence that I, I think it's it's mind-blowing to try and argue that it's not a separate body and I've, I've heard it you know broken down to well that means that if a if a like the fetus is male for a time the woman's a hermaphrodite if it's one body because well she has a right. penis inside of her as right. well and right. um, it's like it's ridiculous right. there there's something called uh, RH factor when it comes to blood type mm -hmm. that's like the positive negative mm -hmm. and if a mother is RH negative and the fetus is RH positive the mother can become sensitized to the RH factor and can have like an autoimmune response to it and so one of the things they do is they make sure there's no fetal blood mixing with the maternal blood so there's no sensitization or they you mm. know they give a drug but like there's totally different uh, blood proteins and uh, like the bodies can interact with each other in that way. So it's, mm -hmm. I think it's just scientifically ridiculous to say that right. it's not a unique organism. Right. Well, and so that's, I mean, like that's, I'm not going to say simple, but like, that's so obvious. Like, mm -hmm. like that's so it's not even obvious, but like anyone with any understanding of how these things work, well, like they just understand that. Mm -hmm. Like th there's clearly two separate humans right that just goes to show it and it's sad but pro choice i i'll use the term because even though i think it's uh disingenuous it's fine um pro-choice people it's like there's there's so in many cases there's so much con i don't want to say confusion but it's like it's so turn it's so backwards because mm -hmm. it's not if you sort of took if you took this and looked at it on its face you would see some pretty obvious stuff mm. there's two human beings all this stuff but when you when you actually talk to someone who holds to the the pro-choice view first they'll say well a woman has bodily autonomy and you you make the point well there's two people involved and they'll say well mm. it's not really a life but then and then you go through that and, and it's like it, it's sort of just like a big circle of things they don't actually really believe or care about mm -hmm. that are there to sort of protect something. It's in like the a center. smoke screen, more or less. It's a, right. So it's it's yeah. So it's this it's this sort of moat around something that they're trying to protect, which is I think in a lot of cases something they don't even understand. Mm -hmm. Which is I think most people inherently know there's something very wrong with abortion. And I've, I've heard that one of the best ways to argue against this is to argue from a point of 
being in support of people being responsible, taking responsibility. That is to say, if you have sex and are responsible for a child being conceived, you are responsible for taking care of that child, um, you know, until they're 18 or whatever, whatever the ethic would be there but Mm -hmm. uh, you're a parent now and you have to see that through so that applies to both men and women like the father is responsible and we see this mirrored in the law like if a father uh you know causes a woman to get pregnant and then wants to run off like he gets put on child support like he doesn't get to run away from that Mm -hmm. and the mother doesn't get to abandon the child either and Mm -hmm. i think arguing for people taking responsibility is one easy way to Uh, address the autonomy issue but i bring it up more to say uh we had a lecture well it was more like a a mandatory discussion group thing it wasn't so much a lecture with my classmates and we were uh broken down into small groups and they had us just discuss a bunch of questions i think the point of it was they were trying to kind of soften us to the idea of abortion and i say that a Mm -hmm. little cynically but i think that genuinely is what it was and one of the questions was whether or not uh ob-gyn doctors should have to like should should be obligated to perform abortions and a good amount of students said yes and so in the discussion groups they had us you know talk about this and Mm -hmm. i said okay i am kind of curious as to why this is because it seems to me and i I try to be honest when i have these because i think these conversations i think that's the best way to talk about it is don't ask gotcha questions just be honest and i said one thing i'm having trouble understanding is why you would say if someone goes into medicine it goes into obstetrics gynecology why should they have to perform abortions even if they're morally against it when someone who has sex and is responsible for a child being conceived isn't responsible for that decision and isn't responsible to to maintain that life and i was really underwhelmed by the the response from that a lot of what i heard was well you know no one forced you to be an ob gyn doctor and it's like well in 99.9% of cases, no one forced you to have sex and have that baby. So right. I don't see how that has anything to do with it. And right. I, I tried to like ask, well, can you see why that wouldn't be consistent in my mind? Like, can you see why that's confusing? Because mm-hmm. I don't see why this person is less responsible for their decisions than this other person, especially when a life is involved. And um, the discussion didn't get to go on long enough, but it just goes to show like there's so much that's backwards and i think mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of starting with the conclusion working your way back so mm-hmm. uh but we're we're not doing that we have to start with the value that life is sacred and then we work towards the specifics right. and i think that's right. what's difficult is there's kind of this disconnect where we're trying to meet in the middle right well i think what you're saying of you know we we sort of start from this premise at least you and i christians in general start from the premise that life is sacred uh, because we're human beings are made mm-hmm. in God's image, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I think the fact that we are where we are in our culture and just in the world in general, it really shows the effect of the secularization of culture. Yeah. So um, living in this very sort of postmodern culture that we live in, this the the thing that we take for granted of this idea of human beings having inherent value people would agree with that yes human beings have inherent value they have no idea why yeah uh, meaning has been completely stripped from most things um, not just human life but most most things not to say that people completely devalue human life and people are just going around 
raping and murdering at will all, all day, mm-hmm. every day. And it's just, you know, utter chaos all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's that they're the, the foundation for why we believe any of this, the bottom is completely dropped out. So people yeah. are still holding to these things inconsistently and in a very confused way. And it leads to things like where, where we are. Mm-hmm. And it leads to this utter, you know, lack of um, consistent belief or thought. Another argument I want to talk about uh, is one that bugs me to no end. This is my absolute least favorite argument that's given because I just think it's so, it is so moronic. And I, I want to give it some credit because I kind of get where they're coming from, but it is a terrible argument. And it's, well, you say you're pro-life, but like you don't care about people after they're born. You're not, you know, there are kids who need to be adopted. Like you, you don't care. Like you're just you're just against abortion for whatever reason, and but you're not you're not really caring about people's lives. Uh, what what would you say to that? I mean, there's I think there's a few avenues. It really de- part of it just depends on the sincerity of the person you're talking to. Some people mm-hmm. m- perhaps seem more sincere in what they're saying about that. Yeah, um, which is does highlight the importance that Christians are not um, that that they're not that way. Not because you can't hold a moral view, not because a moral view can't be legitimate unless you do every other good deed on the planet. Right. But because there is something to say about the testimony of your deeds. Yeah. And not just your words. Um, Yeah, and that's a good point. Like, I think my response to someone who I perceived as being insincere mm -hmm. and kind of just saying that uh, as a cheap argument would be totally different from someone who is sincere about it. Like, someone who's sincere about it... uh, you could have a real conversation about like why you value life and like where that comes out mm-hmm. in your life and how right. that affects what you do versus someone who's insincere. You have to take it totally differently. Sure. It's, it's like, you know, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be, you know, like a fool like him, new Alec translation, but answer a fool right. according to his folly or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, for as, um, yeah, like fatuous as the argument is, there is something to be said for there should be some level of conviction that you feel when if you can say oh yeah so they i really do nothing yeah like i hold this view but i don't actually do anything to help people who Mm -hmm. uh maybe are considering abortion or to do you know really anything to stop abortion or to help people who have decided not to go through with an abortion like there, there should be some amount of uh like yes we do bear some responsibility but yeah, on the other hand, yeah, the, it's utter. I would say ninety percent of the time, it's pretty much utterly yeah. insincere, and it's logically inconsistent. Like, there's a problem with it. Just to talk about why it's flawed, because one, it doesn't affect the validity of an argument to attack a person's morals for holding it, like their reasoning behind saying mm-hmm. it. So, uh, like Hitler could say something like you shouldn't steal from people and you you can't say oh we shouldn't listen to hitler because you know he's a bad guy like right. he doesn't i mean it sounds right but the point is what he said i'm acting like he actually said this that phrase like that claim is it exists in the nether like it, it's it's just a logical claim no matter who utters it the right. claim is the same and so regardless of what a person's doing or their motivation for saying it you have to address the claim on its on its right. face, right? Well, and if if you more or less are being, the implication of the conversation that you're having is that you yourself are in favor of the murder of 
actual living human beings, mm-hmm. then most people are very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And they're going to try to do anything to turn the, to, you know, flip the attention from that to, well, the person I'm talking to is a hypocrite. Yeah. yeah. So, which may or may not be true, but, you know, of Doesn't course, matter. yeah, it has no moral weight as far as the actual conversation being had. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, if I feel like I'm being accused of something, you know, the easiest possible thing is just to say, yeah, well, you suck too. Right? It's like... I know you are, but what am I? Right. And it's... It, and, you know, most of the time, I don't think people realize this. People who are, like, engaged in... Not to say that... I, I can put the caveat. Not to say that everyone that engages in, you know, these types of ministries or whatever is a, is a great, wonderful person. But, like, m- most of the people that I've known in my life that were extremely passionate about doing things to help, um, you know, pregnant women or doing things to Mm -hmm. help end abortion or whatever. There were a lot of insincere people. Right. But I can think of so many of them extremely sincere who, who sacrificed immensely to help others, Mm -hmm. um, through a myriad of different things. So it's, so a lot of the time, especially, you know, out on the campus or something, someone brings that up. I would just be like, Oh, you should talk to my friend here because they've adopted three kids. Or you yeah. should, talk. but really, that's so. What you can sort of say is, actually, because we're Christians, we do care about yeah. people. But that's not really the point. Right. That's that's what I find myself saying nine times out of ten. But that's not really the point because yeah. I can say x any number of things. Sexual assault is wrong and evil, but I I'm not actively involved in like a victim's recovery group, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But my moral belief that rape is sinful, evil, destructive, and those people should be, you know, punished, uh, doesn't, isn't somehow less valid, you know? So I, but, and I mean, usually what that leads into is just, I think, I think what you have to drive at, here's the thing, when you're talking to people about abortion, what you have to you have to sort of have your own um, sort of direction and goal in mind. Yeah. Not to say you should just bypass their concerns, but everything they bring up, you should use that to point to sort of turn to turn their attention to what they should be looking at. Mm-hmm. So not just saying, um, you know, well, you brought up this argument. Well, here's the answer for that. You brought up this argument. Here's the answer for that. But to provide an answer, but then also to sort of shift attention to what needs to actually be looked at, mm-hmm. which is, you know, partially that, I mean, honestly, what the, the foundational thing under all of it is just meaning in general and meaning comes not from, you know, our humanistic view of human value. It doesn't come from, you know, the American ideals of life, liberty, and property. It doesn't, it comes from the gospel. It comes from god himself mm-hmm. and that christ himself became like us in the womb of a woman like he became like us in all ways including as a fetus and you know the implications that has for us and part of the reason abortion is such an is such an atrocity is that it you know of course destroys his image but it also you know assaults the very place where he came in where he came into the world yeah. in order to redeem us all 
it's a direct assault upon that as well. So not that people have a theological understanding of that, but just trying to point the conversation in a, in a way where it's not just saying, well, yeah, abortion's really bad. You should really change your mind about abortion, but actually bringing up the deeper reason why abortion is wrong. Yeah. Because I, people don't think about that. And the foundation, the underlying foundation of everything is not there. So mm-hmm. part of it's, it's, I wouldn't say, well, abortion is really just the secondary issue. But in many ways, the reason they believe what they believe about abortion is because they don't they don't understand why they don't understand why anything has meaning, mm-hmm. and and you can help provide that. You can point towards Christ, and that's a pretty that's a pretty expert uh, like path to walk down. Like going from being able to talk about abortion issues to getting down to the you know the definition of truth but like what you said holds true to anyone's comfort in having these conversations is you want to get to the gospel like that's ultimately where it goes because not just because you're trying to evangelize people but because that's ultimately where the christian moral comes from and that's where we derive like our uh, our life direction and and that's where truth comes from Mm -hmm. uh so one last argument that i want to talk about this one is one of the more common ones and i think it can be more difficult for uh people to answer to because it has a very big grain of truth in it i would say and Mm -hmm. uh it goes along the lines of if someone was a victim of rape or incest you're you still want to force them to have a baby you don't think that they should be able to have an abortion Mm -hmm. for a baby that you know they were raped for right what do what do we how do we deal with that because that's obviously like that can be used as like a gotcha question, but it can also be right. used as a very real question that someone's trying to deal sure, with. Sure, sure. Yeah, and there's a lot of confusion because that's because for the last 50 years, that has been the um, stumbling block mm-hmm. that has intentionally been placed in front of people. Um, I don't know if you know this, Roe v. Wade, that was the basis of Roe v. Wade. I wasn't aware of um, that, actually. So, um, the woman... Uh, who Jane Roe was the sort of the pseudonym or, you know, the, the name she was given the whole, the whole case was because she claimed, she claimed to have been raped and, and become pregnant through rape, which she then later years later said was a lie. Hmm. Um, Interesting. But so that was really that. And then other States like Colorado abortion was legalized in 1967, which is, you know, years before Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, the basis of that was because of the case of the case of pregnancy because of rape. So like this has been extremely prevalent and because people I think had no idea for whatever reason, how to deal with it. It's, it's, it's really quite a pernicious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the easiest. So there's, there, there's a few things. There's a few, I mean, honestly, it's a lot easier than I think people think it is and I've, the sad thing is i've met a lot of young christians who say who who grew up in the church usually you know grew up evangelical going to church um probably fairly conservative backgrounds and that's exactly what they say well yeah i believe in abortion but you know if a woman's raped yeah i'm like how is it possible how is it possible for people who grew up going to church as in a you know good christian home and all how is it possible to have come to that view um, and you're right, it's, it's secularization. And it's it's, it, well, it's purely yeah. being driven to that conclusion. That's exactly it. And it's very sad. And I think it's a good warning to parents um, that 
your kids have no idea what they think about this stuff, partially because you never probably talked to them about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just being influenced by um, their teachers, their, you know, in high school and in university, their fellow students, Planned Parenthood is on their campus all the time. Um, it's just a very culturally mm-hmm. prevalent view. But so, number one, the only person who is forcing, who has forced this woman to become pregnant is the rapist. Yeah. She is now carrying a child, mm-hmm. a separate human being. And again, if you just say, listen, look at it from my perspective, this, I believe this is a human being. Mm-hmm. Would you ever say, like the, the one of the big like uh, pro-life sort of, uh, I forget, I, I don't know how to put it, like catchphrases for how, how to deal with this argument specifically is to bring out the toddler. Yeah, I've heard that exact phrase. So bring the toddler into the equation. Okay, so let's say there's a woman, she gets raped, she becomes pregnant, she decides not to have an abortion at the time, or maybe let's say abortion isn't available to her at the time or something mm-hmm. like that. She now has a baby or maybe a two-year-old and one of the big things that people say is, oh, you think that she should have to look at that child every day and see the face of her, of, of the person that violated her, of her rapist. And mm. every day you have to be reminded of what happened to her. Um, okay, let's say she has a two-year-old. Every day she looks at the two-year-old and says, oh, wow, you really it makes me remember this tragedy that happened to me, this horrible crime against me. I better just kill this kid. Mm-hmm. I better get rid of him because... You know, I, I I no longer want to take care of this human being. And of course, uh, well, unfortunately, there are the people who say, well, yeah, that's fine. Usually it's just because they're trying to win an argument. Yeah. But yeah, of course, most people are like, well, that's different. Well, that would be different. So then again, you just say, well, why is that different? And that leads directly back into just human life being valuable. Mm-hmm. So it honestly it's not it, it should not be the great stumbling block that it is yeah i agree it, but also on the other hand especially if i'm talking to a christian i try to just and i try to just be sincere especially if i'm mm-hmm. talking to someone who claims to be a christian I, I i think that person just needs to be rebuked and just like you think that's merciful you think it's merciful for a woman who has been brutalized you think the right thing for her is to then go and brutalize another human being. Yeah. And for the rest of her life, it's it's not as if the abortion is going to heal what happened to her. She is going to remember every day what happened to her, no matter what. Mm-hmm. She needs help, compassion, counseling, love, support. And what you're saying is, the answer to that is, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with your kid. You should kill your kid. Because that's going to make it easier for everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most... Honestly, it's so disgusting because it's so compassionless for the woman. Not even, obviously, for the child, obviously. But it's so heartless. It's, it's, it's sick. It's, um, you know, the, the, the tender mercies of the wicked are, are cruelty. It's like in the Proverbs somewhere. Hmm. And that's to them, they're saying, well, it's the most, you know, you, we're just trying to take care of this woman. She shouldn't have to take care of this baby. And it's, it's not only is it, you know, obviously horrible because it's it's you know advocating for the murder of a human being but it's demeaning to the woman as well mm-hmm. and it's basically saying women are so weak and helpless that the only thing that can that they really need to fix their problems by being able to kill their children yeah. that's not just in the case of rape that's just in general that's just like the feminist argument for abortion in general but it's 
especially when I hear maybe a young, confused Christian talking about that. It's like, I almost can't believe that this that you think this way. Yeah. Because what you're advocating for is, especially because in every other case, you're like, well, yeah, abortion's terrible. They'll see a picture and say, mm-hmm. well, yeah, that's horrible. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing what, what happens when a 10-week-old human being, you know, is, is physically torn apart. It's a horrifying thing to see. But in this case, it's what's best for the woman. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a... It's one thing when someone outside the church would say that, but it's another thing when someone inside the church would say. And I think the reason why is that argument especially appeals to people who are very compassionate. And I think it it's put forward in a deceptive way because like you said, it's it's acting as if that is the only way to really have compassion is to not make her do that. But it totally avoids the fact that we already have another human life in the equation. Right. And and right. now it's the issue is not like like giving her the out and like getting rid of the that mm-hmm. the circumstance is there the question is where do we go from here and i think the way you have to address this with anyone who's sincere in it is to really just admit like this really sucks and like this you know this is evidence of sin in the world it's like just some of the worst evil mm-hmm. that this would happen but that doesn't mean that we have special circumstances for like Mm -hmm. you get to you get to kill someone you get to end a life just because of it and like i think the more you can level and say like i really do see like that really sucks and i hate that she would have to go through that but Mm -hmm. you know it it, it just sucks and Mm -hmm. it's not a feel-good argument i think it's not a feel-good answer to someone who really feels for the woman but uh, like you said you know we always have to approach it with there is a third life involved here and frankly it doesn't even make sense to me why you know the the, like you said the father in that situation like the man the rapist is the only one who did something wrong so Mm -hmm. why are you punishing this child that now exists like that's not that's not justice like that is injustice and Mm -hmm. evil and so yeah it's right yeah and it's so it's so common that's usually like the first one of the first things you'll hear when you discuss it with someone, yeah. that's one of the first things they'll bring up. And is, well, you know, what, what if the woman's raped? What if she's a victim? I looked it up because I think there's like a Ben Shapiro argument where he says like, uh, you know, that's like 0.1% of oh, cases. Oh, well, it is, yeah. So can we agree that all the others are bad first and then right, we can talk right, about right. this? And um, like, we can outlaw all the right. others and then we'll talk about this. And I do think that is a yeah. good answer oh, for yeah. someone who's insincere. It's like, yeah, okay, well, let's talk about that can we agree that all the others right. are bad? Because then you're just back to the issue of right. whether it's a life or not. Yeah, which I think is really smart, you know, as long as as long as long you don't, you know, just give full concession to say, well, yeah, abortion's fine in the case of rape. But yeah, because, exactly. exactly. yeah, that is very clever. No, I don't mean clever, like it's just like, hey, gotcha. Like, it is right. a very good way to turn the conversation like it's, back it's very, to where it needs to be. It's very smart to see that. Yeah, and, and I would say, because I've... I, probably watched that same video and I was like wow that's really good and every time I would say that to someone almost every single time they would say well oh well no I mean I think it's fine yeah or, and then or, you're like well, okay let's just talk about this okay so really the issue is the value of human life mm-hmm. so we can it's extraordinarily easy to establish you know human life begins at mm-hmm. conception fertilization whatever term you want to use that any child who is you know uh Able to be aborted is a human being. 
That's right. just like so easy. That argument also almost doesn't even it, it, it fades away so quickly. That's really shifted in the last, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, decade or so. W- whether or not it's the human being is even alive, and it's just it just goes straight into human value, mm-hmm. source of human value, um, why we value human beings, and it's hard. It's it's unfortunate because you almost want to just make the assumption we all agree human life matters, and we all have sort of this shared belief. I think it's just fracturing more and more. Mm-hmm. Not where people have a specific ideology where they're like, no, I, I'm a nihilist. I don't think anything matters, man. But more just like everything is splitting apart and fracturing so much that people don't have, people have no established reason for for what or why they believe anything. Yeah. Really. And and they pretty much just go by whatever, whatever their whatever the popular view is sort of just thrown out there Mm -hmm. so one last uh sort of argument that i want to talk about but i i want to more just give a spiel that i heard while in medical school that i thought is probably one of the the best summaries of this i'm going to try to do it justice but uh we have a club on campus you know med students for life it's pretty common throughout the country like different schools are going to have that just like the med students for choice but uh, our advisor who was overseeing us that year and for many years he gave one of the lunch talks that we had and he kind of opened it up and said like what makes a human life like how do you how do you define a human life and who are you basically and you know people you know, they talk about it and you could say, oh, well, I'm a husband, I'm a father, like I'm, I'm this or that, I'm a cat owner, my cat's on the table. Uh, you could say all those things. And it's like, well, I could take this cat and I could put it off the table, which I just did. One, that solves the problem. But two, that part of my identity can be removed. Mm-hmm. I can take the cat off the table. Now my cat's not on the table anymore. I could suddenly, like my wife could die. I could no longer be a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your daughter could die. You could no longer be a father. There's everything can be taken away from you. And if it can be taken away from you, that can't be your identity because it's what makes you a person has to be immutable. And what it comes down to is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that's something that is immutable. No matter what happens to you, it can't be taken away. And that's like the fundamental value of a human life. But Another parallel issue is people will talk about viability because uh, I think it is an important thing to talk about because it can be confusing for Christians in different ways. Like for a while, viability was defined differently. And I think we run into different problems because if we say, okay, well, until someone is sentient until they're self-aware mm-hmm. that's not, a big one these days yeah. by the way and then you can say okay well a person on life support kill them they're not a human anymore mm-hmm. n- n- you know that's that's one of those oh they say this you got this but viability can go down to well if they are born before this time then they're not viable well technology got better we're able to take care of infants that are born earlier than that right. and, and as and technology younger, yeah. yeah yeah exactly as technology's gotten better younger and younger i think the record now is like 25 or 26 weeks. It might even be a little younger. And most of it comes down to lung development. But mm. now we even can, we can work around that. Like you can, you can spray surfactant, which is like the problem. You don't have surfactant in your lungs, which um, with surface tension. 
Um, you can spray it in their lungs. That makes it easier. You can give the mom antenatal corticosteroids to help lung development, help mm. make the pulmonary surfactant. So viability keeps getting lower and lower. And it makes absolutely no sense that what makes a person a person has to rely on a sliding scale that changes over time. Like right. you cannot say that someone is viable if that boundary could be changed. Like if if someone is viable one inch this way and unviable, non-viable one inch the other way, right. that moves, like it's it's totally messed up. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just warped. And I think we have to keep in mind that technology is always advancing and we're gonna see that move down more and more. So we can't, we can't ever let that be used as an argument for whether human life has value. And I definitely didn't do it justice, but... No, I think um, you did a fine job because that's... No, I think you did just fine. And that, I, a lot of times what that goes hand in hand with is people... Is very much so the idea of, well, this, you know, this, they're not even viable yet. And, and this is like so many times that they just go exactly hand in hand. You know, they don't, they're not going to have any, they don't have anything to offer to society, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, well, that is one of the most totalitarian, right? like genocidal thoughts that you could express yeah. and, and, and not immediately be shunned by everyone you know, because yeah. you're actually expressing the idea that, you know, some people groups have less to offer some people groups of your choosing mm-hmm. have less to offer and therefore have no no value, even though they are human beings. Which I think also is one of the reasons why it's a terrible pro-life argument to say, well, what if that child you aborted could have been the next Einstein? It's like, who yeah, cares? Right. Right. It doesn't make them any right. more or less right. valuable. It, it doesn't matter if you're a winner or not. If you're a good person or not, you don't get to indiscriminately murder people. Right, exactly. I think one of the biggest sort of tools in the old tool belt is just to say is just to so you know that whole thing you just so viability you know though they're not viable yet they can't survive on their own they're not you know blah 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 whatever it is they don't have anything to offer whatever it is just to say well why do you think that's important yeah why why do you think that defines whether or not a human being deserves to live or not mm-hmm. because we've already established what we're talking about is a human being that's that's established. No one, you know, we're not really even denying that at this point. Mm-hmm. All you're saying now is yes, that's a human being, but they have no value. Mm-hmm. So, so why why is this? Why do you think this is important? And usually, they're they're not. No one expects to be asked that question. They just expect you to say just to argue, just as mm-hmm. point counterpoint. So when you yeah. say why why do you think viability is important? The, it entirely. Yeah. It's just. The, the, almost, almost, I would say there's almost never a coherent reason given. I think which, they, they'd probably just say, well, then, you know, it's not a, an actual human life. And you can say, how? Right. Like, it's, right. it's got a heart that's beating, you know, it's got its own genetic code. It's right. alive. Like, we know it's alive because it can die. Right. right. And, and usually what it comes down to is, well, you know, they, they, they don't, it's just, you know, they don't have anything to, to contribute to society. It's like, okay, I'm going to just start rounding up homeless people and yeah. sending them to the death camps, you know, because they're not, yeah, what are they're, they, they're contributing literally nothing to our you're culture. You're not contributing, yeah, there you go. Right, you're contributing zero, by my standard, if you're on welfare or if you're, you know, a panhandler or whatever, you contribute nothing to culture, nothing to society, and we can round you up and kill you. 
right? Yeah. They're like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. it's Not like, well, quiet. no, but the point is, it, that's the whole reason yeah. we value human life because it doesn't matter who you are, what you're offering to me, you know, how you're enriching others, you are valuable because you're a human being made in God's right. image. So it's again, a number, whatever the nine times out of ten, whatever argument, anything we've covered or haven't covered. Just asking, well, why? I'll, I'll answer, I'll try to answer your question best I can, but why do you think this is important? Yeah. How is this the standard for you? And I think that is just such an excellent way to begin because mm-hmm. it no longer is you just trying to point counterpoint with them and say, well, this is, this is the, the sort of prefabricated argument that I already, that I just spit out 50 times to 50 different people. Yeah. And it's just saying, it's basically just saying what you're saying makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to reclaim the whole viability term. And the, the reason I say that is it's, a, it's actually a really important distinction. Because if someone says, you know, before 20 weeks, the fetus is non-viable, what they're really saying is if you pulled it out of the, the womb right yeah. then, it's non-viable. Yep, yeah, exactly. if you pulled me into the Arctic right now, I wouldn't last that well, long that's, either. So that's but, exactly it. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. The point is that it is viable. And the reason why we know it's viable is because... There are non-viable pregnancies, such as, like I mentioned earlier, uh, chromosomal abnormalities that are incompatible mm-hmm. with life. And those have varying degrees. So, like, one of the things they test after 10 weeks is you, you get the option of this thing called a cell-free DNA screen. And it will it will tell you the gender, and that's, like, why a lot of people get it. Yep. Just don't do it if it's just for the gender. But it will also tell you if uh, they, the child is at risk for down syndrome well right. it'll, i think it'll tell you i say at risk it'll tell you like within like 99 percent certainty if yep. the child has down syndrome if it has edward syndrome or pateau syndrome edwards and pateau syndrome are similar to down syndrome in in that they're trisomies of mm-hmm. of chromosomes one is 13 one is 18 mm-hmm. and they call those incompatible with life and that's because every child that is born with those does not last more than like a few days there are sure. some people who can have this thing called mosaicism in which only it's it's very weird in which only parts of their bodies are actually truly like edwards or pateau syndrome mm. and they can live uh at varying levels of, of functionability given on the level of mosaicism but the point mm. is those those are like quote not incompatible with life but you know if there's mosaicism so even then that like that's tricky you know i i would say you shouldn't get an abortion just because you find that out like you need to see it through because you never know what god's going to do with that but also there are chromosomal abnormalities where it it, the baby just dies like it it can't complete like sure the development doesn't go normally and it's not compatible with life that's a non-viable pregnancy Mm mm-hmm it's, it's wrong to say that a fetus is non-viable at 15 weeks when it's developing normally and will continue to develop normally right, just right. because if you evacuated it, right. it would die. Right. It's it's so absurd. It's the, the the it's essentially saying if you take a human being out of the only environment they're able to live in and survive mm-hmm. in and strip them of that environment intentionally and then if they would die because of that, then they have no value as human beings. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, like you're saying, if you, if I, if you take me to the Antarctic, uh, and remove all my clothes, give me no protective gear, and leave me there, I will be dead within a matter of you know, yeah, an hour or minutes, you know, how mm-hmm. whatever. You, if you yeah. remove all oxygen from the environment that I live in, I will die. So you're saying if you remove things vital for human life, 
to continue to grow and develop and survive, then that eliminates all you know the mm-hmm. the, the value of a human being. Like it's just absurd. Yeah. And and if you if you just can can you know bring that to light, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And so something else you said like about like children with um, chromosomal ab- abnormalities or whatever it is. So. Pretty, uh, just really briefly, it, it is extremely staggering the um, the rate of abortion for um, children diagnosed with Down syndrome. Yeah, it's horrifying. Um, it's like ninety, it's like almost a hundred percent. It's like ninety some percent. When people find that in yeah. the screening, that wow, it's like ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent. Last I last numbers I saw this and was part of years the reason ago, that like is, is a, a good doctor would advise you if. If the test will not change whether or not you have the baby, if it won't change what you do, do not get the test. Like if you're right. only doing it for gender, do sure. not get the test. Waste sure. of money, waste of everyone's time. And if you're going to have the baby regardless whether or not it has Down syndrome, don't get the test. Sometimes people will get it because they're like, we'd really like to know so we can be prepared for it. But sure. majority sure. of the time they would say, don't get it if you're going to have the baby sure. anyways. Sure. Yeah. So like that on its face is horrifying. But then there is that other argument, which is, of course, another smokescreen. But there's this pro-choice argument of, well, you know, there's kids that they're born and they only live a few days and they're, they might be in pain or whatever it is. It's like, friend, your life is limited. Mm-hmm. You will die. There is a ticking clock above your head and you are going to die at per- perhaps, depending on who you talk to, a prescribed time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you are going to die. That is inevitable. You will be dead someday. That has no bearing on whether or not it's okay for me to choose to end your life, mm-hmm. and and it has no bearing on whether or not a parent can choose to end the life of their ch- of his or her child. Right. So okay, so you so this child's diagnosed with a cr- chromosomal abnormality. Doctors say your kid's probably only going to live like at absolute best a week. How does that change anything? Yeah, and where where does that end too? Because you could say a child with cystic fibrosis. They're not going to live that long. Most of the right, time they're infertile. Right. It's like, how long is long enough before you say right. it's not worth, Which like they don't have is a another right great that. question to ask. So, so by that standard, how long does a person have to be able to live for them to have value? Yeah. Uh, does it, I mean, what if they have some condition, life expectancy is about 20? Mm-hmm. No, that's not enough. It's got to be at least 40. Nah, 40, that's only middle age. Yeah, if you Let's, can't have grandkids, like, right, you know, why so, even? Right, so... And again, it just goes to that's not really the point. Right. When people bring up these things about um, children with disabilities, number one, again, one of the one of the most just like compassionless, sick. It just goes to show how twisted and messed up our culture mm-hmm. is, because basically they're saying, oh, if you're disabled, you better you better just be dead. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not as able-bodied as I am then life's going to suck for you. You might as well just kill yourself. Yeah. It's insane. It's it it's insane. And and I think pointing it out goes a long way. Because people want, especially in today's culture, it's very desirable to be, you know, seen as accepting of others. Right. Of, of disabled people, of people of different cultural backgrounds, of different ethnicities, of, you know, all sorts of different, mm-hmm. you know, gender, all that type of stuff. But when it comes down to it, you actually don't believe any of that because when, when you know, you're actually asked if you believe human beings have inherent value, your answer is no. If you're disabled and you're within a certain window of life, it's okay to kill you. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, uh, kind of taking a, a sharp turn here. I want to talk about a couple instances that I think are legitimately gray areas and are a little bit more difficult. One of them, I actually, I, I put it in the gray area just because I think it's worth mentioning in case someone's not familiar with this. One type of pregnancy, uh, they call it a pregnancy, it's called a molar pregnancy. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. So you probably are familiar just because I'm sure that's gotten brought up to you. But mm-hmm. for, for people who are not familiar, uh, there are two types of molar pregnancies. There's incomplete and complete. Essentially what happens is you have a either an aberrant division within the egg or you have some sort of issue with the sperm. But the point is you get like... 69 chromosomes or you can get 48 but it's like yy so you can get x yy or like just two y's and what ends up happening is it's actually not uh, a pregnancy it, mm-hmm. it it never at any point will become sometimes the incomplete ones can actually have fetal tissue which is kind of horrifying but um there there's no possibility of it actually being a pregnancy it's it's not human actually it's mm-hmm. it's sort of just like a mutation it's mm-hmm. it's legitimately not human and so that's something where you absolutely do need to have what they would call a dnc which is sometimes used synonymous with certain types of abortion which yeah. is basically where they scrape it out because otherwise it'll just turn into cancer like that's what it does sure um but as for two two other things that i i want to talk about because I, I would say in these cases, you kind of have to make a difficult decision, and I'm sure you know where I'm going. One mm-hmm. of them would be an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. and the other one would be, well, I, I guess this is just another form of ectopic. I was going to say like an abdominal pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so ectopic pregnancies are pregnancies anywhere outside of the uterus. The most common place is in the fallopian tube, and what happens essentially is the pregnancy... Uh, kind of embeds in the fallopian tube and at some point it will rupture the fallopian tube Mm -hmm. there's pretty much no way that that baby will ever live Mm -hmm. and the mother could die and at some point will have to get removed and i think that's a difficult scenario that i want to talk about the other one would be like an abdominal pregnancy where it's fertilized and it plants somewhere in the abdomen and again like nothing there's there's, as of technology right now there's nothing we can do and sure the where i've the way I've been approaching this is I don't think that makes the pregnancy any less human. I don't think it makes it not a life just because it legitimately like the viability of them being able to develop long enough to Mm -hmm. safely be born and live. We don't have the technology for that. But if we did, if we had the technology to reimplant in the uterus, Mm -hmm. I think that's the moral thing to do. But as it is, I kind of would say that I think you you probably have to make the hard decision to end the pregnancy just because it's the difference of one person dying versus two people dying. Um, what would you what would you say about that? Because I'm I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. what the faithful way to approach that is. Um, I think the I think the best way to approach it is number one. I always make it clear like I'm not an expert on medical issues. Here is what I would say would be ideal. I'm not, no one, pretty much no one on sort of this side of the debate is is arguing in favor of special rights for a developing preborn human being or an embryo mm-hmm. or a fetus or whatever term you want to use. What I would say is the ideal is what I would ask for is that in medical situations, the, the people providing medical care treat what they're doing 
as if there are two patients involved mm-hmm. because there are two patients involved. Yeah. And there are ex- horrible circumstances where a patient will die sometimes because of direct medical interact mm-hmm. intervention, I mean. And that's that is in no way the same as what we talk about when we talk about abortion at planned parenthood. Yeah. yeah. Like there is a huge difference between having to intervene to save the life of the mother. That's the intention, right? Mm. The intention is to save the life of the mother. Right. Whereas, you know, that cannot be said for pretty much 100% of elective abortions, if that's the term you want right. to use. That is, so the, the people that are, you know, 10, 15 weeks pregnant and they go to Planned Parenthood, they're not going there for the same reason that a woman in the has to go to the ER because her fallopian tube has ruptured. Yeah. So what what would be the right way to handle this? Obviously, there's it's all situational, but there are horrible, sad situations where yes, the embryo will die be, because of direct medical intervention by a doctor, and that's really sad. Like that. Mm-hmm. should be avoided at all costs. However, that is not the same thing. You know, a, a woman, uh, you know, and I, I, I know people personally who've gone through this. A woman who goes through that it, and has to, you know, accept the medical care that in the end causes the death of, of the embryo, yeah. that is not the same thing as what we've been discussing for the last hour. Yeah. It's not even close. Um, and I think it's actually very exploitive when not of not of people who haven't thought it through or who are confused but people who bring that up in order to justify the other who bring it up to justify what what i would consider you know actual i understand the term abortion is a neutral term but they're using it to justify actual abortions that people are seeking out they're using medical crises where hard decisions have to be made in order to justify murdering perfectly healthy children in perfectly healthy women yeah and and really that i think what it comes down to if we're being you know sincere is intention Mm -hmm. the intention is to save life Mm -hmm. the intention is to preserve life and every effort should be made to preserve both lives if possible in these circumstances that's that's not really possible yeah right at this time for the for the most part to my understanding so really intention is one of the big things and when people again if if a sincere person that is just trying to work through this that's really the answer is Mm -hmm. well what's the intention behind this what's the intention behind the um you know 65 year old doctor who flies from maryland to milwaukee and and perform and commits abortions there and then flies here and commits abortions and then goes to another state and commits late-term abortions who is enriching himself off of mm-hmm. just r- ripping to shreds human beings, actually tearing their limbs apart, and then leaving the room and doing it down the hall, and then flying to another state. I mean, like, yeah. what his intention versus the intention of an ER doctor who is, or, you know, what, I'm again, I'm not in the medical field, but a, a woman who goes to the ER, gets admitted to a hospital, and has to have an emergency surgery because she has an ectopic pregnancy it's like not even the same category of of 
I was going to say medical care, but the one is not even medical care. Yeah. It's not even in the same category. One is medical care and one is not. And that's one of, one of the big pushes we're seeing nowadays. Like just the other day, you know, Simone Biles holding up the sign, abortion is health care. And it's it's so not. Like it right. it definitely is not. But uh, I think you make a really good, dis, uh, really good point there that treating the scenario as if there are two patients because there are two patients is really important. And mm-hmm. uh, there are instances where... I, I have heard an argument, well, should a mother be forced to go through a pregnancy if it's a high-risk pregnancy? And, you know, just treating it like that, treating it as if there are two people, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, every effort should be made to, like, save both lives. And just because a mother has a risk of preeclampsia or something, that that's even less reason to right. want to, you know, to end the life of, of the baby uh, than an ectopic because mm-hmm. in that case, I mean, I wish we had the technology to reimplay it because I think that would that would be a huge game changer in terms of how we'd be able to push for like saving the lives of of many fetuses right. or many babies. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's very different, and uh, I think. I wish we referred to it as like a palliative care for the ectopic pregnancy because it mm-hmm. is a real pregnancy. It is mm-hmm. it, that that baby would develop normally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unless it would be like a chromosomal abnormality. But you don't normally know that in time. And um, right. yeah, it's just one of those tragic things that we don't have anything we can do about right. it just yet. So the other thing I wanted to say is there there is pretty much never a reason to um, to go through with an abortion that is. Um, you know, the actual procedure that's extremely common mm-hmm. for first trimester into the second trimester abortion. There's almost never, like, intervening, and maybe usually, to my understanding, you can correct me on this, to my understanding with an ectopic pregnancy, generally they're just removing part of the fallopian tube. At least that's maybe how it was like 20 years ago, to 30 years ago. I'm not entirely sure, but I okay. think so. That's, to my understanding, I don't know if that's changed at all in recent times, but pretty much they remove a part of the fallopian tube that, that the... Yeah. The embryo is in. Is... Ectopic can be... It can be multiple places. It sure. Can, it can even be at a weird place in the uterus. But yeah. Right. Yeah, they, they but, probably uh, remove right. the section. Right. Um, and the result of that is that the human being, the embryo, dies. That's sad. That's terrible. That's, you know, the intention was not to kill the, the child. Whereas there is never a reason to take, you know, medical implements and scrape apart a human being at 10... 12 15 weeks old in his mother's huh, womb. Yeah. They're like medically necessary as far as a medical necessity like it's not. Um this is an old reference at this point but um former surgeon general of the US C Everett Coop um once he retired he he wrote and he was an uh, interesting guy. Um but he said in his like 30 40 years of providing medical care mm-hmm. he never once ever 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 saw a legitimate reason to to commit an abortion mm-hmm. ever um as far as what we're talking i mean obviously right, what right. The, i understand the term means different things yeah. especially yeah, we're talking community. elective abortion right um that there was just never a reason for that and i think people are shocked by that because the narrative mm-hmm. is so much like well women get endangered all the time and yeah. they have to go to you know planned parenthood or someone or somewhere and they have to perform this this thing, mm-hmm. which I don't think most people understand what what an actual abortion, yeah, h- how it takes place, what it is, 
you know what it looks like the other day i i saw a dilation and curatage which is you know they open the cervix and they scrape it out and this this was for uh uh removing like polyps so it it was nothing to do with an abortion right um because they were having abnormal uterine bleeding and I was like viscerally like oh, when I when I saw like the scraping. It, mm-hmm. They scrape so hard. It is. It, I can't even imagine if there was a pregnancy in there. Like I was a little horrified yeah. being caught off guard seeing it for the first time, and uh, there was just like a nodule in there, mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. any like fetal tissue or anything. Right. So yeah, it's it's kind of barbaric, and that that's really something I have not heard before, and I think is a really good point that if there was like an ectopic pregnancy that, you know, wasn't, you know, you essentially had to approach it in a palliative sort of way, like as if that human were on hospice. Mm -hmm. Giving methotrexate or like doing a dilation and evacuation, dilation and curatage is still a barbaric way to treat that. Like uh, Mm -hmm. methotrexate is typically what they'd use for an ectopic pregnancy. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's literally a chemo drug. And what it does is it, it targets rapidly dividing cells and it's essentially like a poison. Like it's, it's a folic acid, uh, um, analog. And so like folate something we need and, you know, it essentially interferes with cell division and it essentially poisons and kills cells and Mm -hmm. it would kill the fetus. And that, you know, that's something to think about. I think is, is that the best way to handle that? Like I, I would, I would want, like if I, if, Tori and I had a pregnancy and it was ectopic and we couldn't save it. I would want to treat that as if that really were my son or daughter that was on their deathbed. And how do I handle that the most humanely and in a dignified way mm-hmm. that honors them? Right. Um, yeah. That's I th- to think about when you, I think, you know, if you talk to women who have had ectopic pregnancies and had to have medical intervention, I, I don't think it, the, the way that they speak about that experience is not, it's very clearly they cared deeply yeah. for their child and not just, Oh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say every woman in the world because that's obviously that's yeah. apply to everyone, but for the most part, women who are mothers don't, don't aren't going to speak about that experience in the same way that, you know, someone who's extremely pro-choice and is talking about what they, you know, abortion rights or something. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not even like in the same category, but it's yeah. used it's used to just want the one, which is a tragic situation that women find themselves in in this medical emergency is used as a smokescreen and their medical, you know, basically a life threatening medical condition is used to say, yeah, well, you know, this is why we need to have Planned Parenthood yeah. offering, you know, abortions up to whatever the legal limit is in your state. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, f- for any reason or no reason at all. Which really is the deeper intention is abortion on demand without apology, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the, the catchphrases are. Yeah. Uh, well, there's that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. I have just one last resource I want to plug for people, something that I recently learned about. Uh, and then I'll, you know, we'll go through what's working for us. But uh, if you have any other any other last thoughts you want to add, um, now would be the time. No, is, is there anything you want to say? feel like um, we covered the issue no i feel like we covered it i think i think um i don't have all the answers and my thoughts have changed over the years as far as you know knowing what should be done and all that sort of thing but i do think 
I do think every Christian should be considering what their obligation or what their mm-hmm. what they ought to think about and what they ought to be doing about this, um, about what's happening in our culture. Because um, if we actually believe that human life begins at conception, if we actually believe that human beings are made in God's image, if we actually believe that abortion is murder, if we actually believe all those things and we pretty much do nothing about it, then I would say shame on us. I, I, I really don't think that's what, I really don't think that's what God would have of us. Mm-hmm. And I think you can look at so many examples like the early church in Rome, they were known for going, like you're talking about the like uh, practices of exposure of infants deemed, you know, weak or deformed. Um, they, they worked to end those sorts of practices. They actually worked to end abortion because abortion was happening in crude ways in the first century. They were known for not just preaching the gospel, but actually caring for those who were you know, being deprived of, of life. And I think we should take an example from history. And I don't know exactly what that always looks like. And I'm not saying it looks like donating to a this or volunteering for a that, but I do think each of us should be considering and giving serious thought, not just to, wow, stu- I got to own the libs mm-hmm. because they're so dumb and they, they believe all this dumb stuff. But actually, there are actual human beings who are dying and there are actual mothers and fathers who are becoming murderers because they are giving in to this lie that our culture is is so obsessed with. And, and, and that's very serious. Mm-hmm. And we should probably have something not just to say about it, but something to do about it. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so I just want to point out a resource that I came across this past week. I was looking into some birth control stuff uh, because I'm on my gynecology uh, rotation right now. And it kind of occurred to me that uh, one of the common birth control methods is an IUD. And there are different types of IUDs. And as I was learning about how they work, uh, most birth controls work by being hormonal and they prevent you from ovulating. Um, sometimes what they do is as a backup measure, if you ovulate mm-hmm. and it still is fertilized, the egg's still fertilized and it creates an embryo, mm-hmm. it prevents implantation. And right. I thought, you know, that's, that's a problem because essentially that's cre- allowing this life to be created and then n- evacuating more or less. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's necessarily the same thing as abortion Mm -hmm. like we definitely need a different way to talk about that but uh i was looking into this and uh one of the websites i came across was the american pregnancy association and i was encouraged because it said uh like here's just like the the line i found it said the iud changes the lining of the uterus preventing implantation should fertilization occur it is important to consider the ethical implications of this third method the the third method of the iud Mm -hmm. and uh i was looking through their website a little more and i just want to advocate that they are a pretty good resource if you want a pro-life and they're very they don't they're not like a pro-life resource but they definitely are you know they're, they're against abortion, and they, they have great resources for, I would say, understanding the medical side of things and finding resources, mm-hmm. and, and they, uh, I, I was a little disheartened. I looked at their tabs, and it was like, uh, considering an abortion, I clicked on it, and it was basically like a, 
oh, try these other things. Like, um, here are some resources so you don't have to consider mm-hmm. an abortion. And so it's a, it's a website I would recommend if, if you want to point someone to something that's not like a Christian organization, that's like a medical organization, that's a, a good thing to keep in mind. So, um, I don't know how big they are, how well known they are, but I looked through the site and I liked it. So mm-hmm. nice, but yeah, uh, Thanks for joining me for this. This was definitely a good conversation. And yeah. certainly, you know, it's not comprehensive. It's never going to be. But I think uh, it was a good conversation. I enjoyed it. So yeah. I definitely no. gained from it. Thank you for um, inviting me. And I, yeah, I feel like for what we covered, it was pretty pretty worthwhile. And uh, yeah, there is there is a lot more to cover. And there's things mm-hmm. we didn't get into. But um, all, of it, all, all of it, you could talk about all of it pretty extensively. And it's all worth having a conversation for sure. Right. And I want to give a little kudos to the cats for... They ran around a lot. They made a lot of noise, but they did, they did yeah. not meow a ton. They didn't cause a big trouble. So, That's you know, true. boys will be boys. Little, little kitty cats. Uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode. But uh, it's been a while since you've been on here, and it has been a while since I've even recorded one of mm. these and edited edited and put it up. Uh, so, Jonathan, what, what's been working for you this past year? Or lately? Just lately? Oh man! Yeah, lately's probably easier than giving you a whole year. Hmm. You know, it's hard. It's hard to. I was trying to think. I was because I realized at the beginning I would have to. I yeah. would have to have something, and it's it's hard. It's tough to choose. It's tough to choose. Um. I think. I think what's been. And please don't take this as I am an enthusiast or I do even a good job, um, or even that I do it in the properly. Uh, but I think lawn care has really has been working mm. for me. Uh, I, I again, I'm not good at it. I don't even spend the requisite time I should spend on it. Uh, but I mowed the grass last night. Man, that was that was nice. That <laughs> was def- nice. Definitely a dad now. Oh right? yeah, homeowning dad. Oh, it was nice. I, I I can't explain why. Just like 14 more years, and then you make your children do it. Yeah, so you that's got true. 14 years to enjoy it. That's true. That's true. But yeah, no, just uh, putting on your best pair of uh, pleated shorts and some uh, some calf-high white socks and some grass-stained, uh, some grass-stained Kirkland Signature <laughs> um, footwear, tuck in a, a t-shirt with a pocket, a breast pocket, and just go to town. <laughs> just go to town with your Honda lawnmower. Honda makes lawnmowers? Oh, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Oh, no, they do. They do. Uh. It's good. Learn something new every it's day. Good stuff. Well, cool. So, Alec, what? Tell me what's been what's been working. Well, for you. I'm I'm glad you asked. I, I thought for a minute you weren't going to remember. But, no, of course, uh, of course. How could I forget? So the hospital I'm at for my rotation, uh, I'm a little disappointed that my classmates don't see the same value in it as I do. And let me let me just tell you. It is not the newest hospital. It's not in the most desirable location. The parking structure was broken into while I was working there. Car windows were smashed. But they have a physician lounge and they have a lounge for just the people who work there. And I am allowed access to both. And they have fantastic snacks and food. I have been crushing Dr. Peppers lately. Diet Mm. Dr. Peppers. Uh, Don't need the sugar. Come on. (laughs) Don't need those calories. Am I right, fellas? Uh, And I've gotten to the point where I just bring, like, one thing for lunch, and I just make a lunch out of all that free food. And, like, the amount of money you're going to save is phenomenal. So 
Uh, I've really been enjoying that location. I'm on there again for general surgery the, uh, this next month, so I'm excited for more Diet Dr. Pepper and uh, little single-serving bags of chips. I know we've been bars. talking for like hour 40 minutes here, but can you just quick run us through this lunch you're building? Can, just real quick, maybe <laughs> okay, briefly. So I, give us a 20-second rundown okay. of this lunch build. Here's what I do. Uh, I, I sneak away. It's lunchtime. I go down. I go to the physician lounge. I, I grab a bagel. I grab cream cheese. I grab an apple. See if there's yogurt in the fridge. Take a Diet Dr. Pepper, seven and a half ounces, so, you know, not that much. Okay, then I go to the cafeteria, set the stuff down, go to the associate's lounge. You're only supposed to take one can from there, but I have the other can from the physician lounge. Grab another Diet Dr. Pepper, see what kind of chips they have, maybe a granola bar, bring that all back, and, you know, you got a lunch right there. And combined with the veggie wrap that your wife made for you, it's fairly balanced. You get your calories in, you're you're ready to go power through till five. I think maybe you should revisit the nutrition section of your curriculum. Look, I try. But, I try. But I'm glad you're getting a free lunch. I get an apple. That's uh, that's health. Um, <laughs> normally, there's vegetables I bring from yeah. home. But yeah, no, yeah. you're not wrong. It's not the most healthy thing. And so Tori will make something very vegetable dense Good. that evening. Good for her. Good and for then her. I, I, ra- I, rational- yeah. I rationalize it. Yeah, so. it works. It all works out. Yeah. But man, saving money. Oh, yeah. Think of all the bucks that you're putting away in the bank. I, I do have one one thing to say. The coffee there is some of the worst coffee I've ever drank. So. I've had the coffee there, yeah. You gotta go really to. Bad. There's a machine. We can talk about it all. Oh there. yeah, in the cafeteria. There's a machine where if you pay money, yeah. it spits out a little cup and dumps coffee. And weren't you listening? That's, that's actually very good. I don't want to pay money. I know, I know, but that's the only coffee I was drinking. Well, that's our signal. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Despise for Youth. Uh, if you liked this, then. Uh, good. There's more of them. <laughs> and have a blast. Uh, thanks again to Jonathan for joining us, and we'll hopefully see you on the next one. You're listening to members aborted public radio. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe, share with all your friends, leave a leave a positive right, review on Facebook. If Fe- you like the podcast, it, leave a positive it really review. helps us it out. Helps other people it find helps us. us out so much. This podcast is brought to you by.